This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Seven Lamb Productions presents Atlas Avenue Beat. Case two, the red letter. Part eight, lying about George Lucas. It was two in the afternoon and I was sitting in a corner booth of a popular Jack's Cafe. Jack's Cafe had hundreds of photos of Matthew Fox's character from Lost. That's right, this new cafe was a tribute to Jack Shepard. All the waiters and waitresses were either dressed as flight attendants or smoke monsters. Good, you're on time. Let's get to this. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't attracted to this hard-nosed woman. I'd also be lying if I said I wasn't doing this whole thing to get closer to her. I'd also be lying if I said my name was Keith Partridge and I owned a sporting goods store. So screw it. I'm not going to lie about anything. It's not like my work would suffer. This case was important. I wasn't denying that. So where do we start? How about at the beginning? Okay, well, I slipped out of my mom's vagina as a wet and slimy eight-pound baby boy, and I... I meant the beginning of the case. Oh, right. Well, Miss Julianne Good left a message with my secretary while I was... busy. I called her back, intrigued about her problem. We ended up meeting, and now I'm living with her while I solve her case. She told me her and her boyfriend, Brennan Camp, were engaged in 2015 and were to be wed in 2017, but tragedy struck. Camp died in a car accident. Then months later, she receives a letter from Camp. In his handwriting. She takes it to the cops, but they can't do anything about it. That's it? She thought it to be a hoax. Meaning what? Obviously, it has to be a fake letter. Her fiancé is dead. I wondered that, too. When she said hoax, it made me think maybe she thought, at first that it was an actual letter from her fiancé. But that can't be. Of course not. Like you said, he's dead. Okay. I haven't been able to interview too many people. I tried talking to the director of her current film, B.C. Baxter, but apparently I'm not a person to him anymore. You have some trouble acting? Yeah, but the guy didn't even give me a shot. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a star. I could have been somebody. Instead of a private investigator, which is what I am. Let's face it. Don't you like being a P.I.? Actually, yeah, I do. Cases have been getting pretty interesting recently, but back to what I was talking about. I also tried contacting Julianne's sister this morning, who she recently had a falling out with, but the sister's in France painting pictures of Big Ben. But Big Ben is in London? She's an eccentric artist. Apparently she's formed a new style of painting called imaginative abstract distance painting. Meaning what? Meaning she travels very far from her subject, she imagines what it looks like, and then she puts it on the canvas as a total mash of colors and designs. Wouldn't that just be considered an abstract painting? I really don't know. Throw mustard on a black wall while you're angry and suddenly it's supposed to be considered meaningful? Fuck art. Did you get to read the letter? I did. Anything unusual? 
I mean, it doesn't say anything like, ooh, I'm a ghost and afterlife is great. How are you doing, Julianne? It's a basic love letter. Could be older than she's letting on. Hell, maybe the post office lost it and didn't deliver it until recently. It's not an easy trace. Okay. Anything else? I asked Julianne more this morning who she thinks could have sent it. She said she's made many enemies in the film business and that it could be a rival actress, an angry director, a stupid gaffer. She doesn't know. She gave me a list of people she hates. I gave Jane the list. Interesting. And she gave me a list of people who hate her. Jane held out her hand, waiting. Where's that list? It's the same list. There's over 40 names here. 42, to be exact. I'm counting 43. Oh, the last name. Edith Dietrich. I added that one. Edith is my secretary. She hates every woman I talk to. And I'm sure if Julianne met Edith, the feeling would be mutual. It's, you know, don't worry about that name. Okay. Do you know any of the names on the list? Many of them. A lot of these people are established in the film industry. I have to say, I'm very familiar with actors, writers, and directors, yet none of those names stand out. It's because this isn't mainstream Hollywood. These are silent films. Silent films? Julianne can't be a day over 50. The silent era hasn't been around since the mid-30s. No. There was a resurgence in the 90s. Straight-to-video silent films. They were all the rage. Really? Oh, yeah. Julianne Good was the leading lady when it came to mid-90s silent straight-to-video productions. How did I not hear about this? <laughs> I don't know. Were you born under a rock? Actually, it was a large stone, thank you very much. I'm looking at this list. I have plenty of connections. I could get you the interviews with a good amount of these people. Where do we start? Where everyone starts. At the bottom. Move our way up to the top of the list. Struggle a bit in the middle. Fall back down a few notches then continue our slow climb back to the top until we reach that first name and find we are kings of the world. How about we just start with the first name and then go from there? Sure, that works too. But before we get started, I want to know what you plan on doing for me. I'll get you your story and a picture. I don't want this story. A dead fiancé? You could do better. I almost had a picture of Lion King sex until you ruined that. We'll get you something, but nothing that'll tarnish my reputation. Or hers. I'm not out to hurt anybody. Fine. But the story better be worth it. You may find that you don't plan on hurting anybody, but everybody hurts. Sometimes. R.E.M.? No. No time for sleep right now. We need to get to work. One more thing. You scoffed last night when I mentioned her soon-to-be husband. You said she's been married several times? Don't worry. The exes are being added to this list. We'll talk to them. Hi, how are you? May I take your order? You know, we've been waiting here for quite a while. Sorry. We're being held captive by the others. Ooh, ah. But I can start you off with a drink. Maybe a soothing Oceanic Flight 815, or a nice cold polar bear, or how about a warm Walt? Can I just get one of your famous Tropical Island milkshakes? Make that too. Coming right up. Over the past year, I've noticed some very odd restaurant additions to this city. Tell me about it. Some Italian restaurant run by teenagers tried to feed me bugs last month. And don't get me started on Terry's Diner. Oh, fucking shit, right?
Our first stop was to film stage 5B. The first name on the list was Trinity Avero, an old friend of Julianne's and fellow actress. Jane said they had a falling out in 1999 right after Phantom Menace came out. Apparently that was what the falling out was about. Julianne hated the Phantom Menace, saying it was chock full of lame CGI and lack story. Trinity, on the other hand, liked the Phantom Menace, saying that it was necessary to the telling of Darth Vader's turn to the dark side. She also liked Jar Jar Binks, which sent Julianne off the deep end. She was so pissed that she ended their relationship right then and there. Cut! Now's our chance. Here she comes. After filming had wrapped industry lingo, we approached Miss Avaro. She agreed to talk to us. We followed her back to her dressing room, which was actually filled with salad dressing, which was weird because it didn't make sense. I know what you're thinking. Why all the salad dressing? Well, it's simple. It's a dressing room. So, that's it. Oh, okay. We won't take up much of your time. Please don't. I'm holding a Star Wars marathon at my house, and we are going to watch Attack of the Clones tonight, my second favorite of the Star Wars movies. Actually, that has something to do with why we're here. We wanted to know about the falling out between you and Miss Julianne Good. Oh, that idiot. That horrible, horrible idiot. Hating on a perfectly good movie. I can't believe the things she said. You know, I told George Lucas about what she said. Did you? No, I just lied about that. Sorry. Oh, well. Wait, why did you lie? I just wanted you to think I was special. Like the special editions of the Star Wars movies, which are arguably better than the original cuts. I've never met George Lucas, but if I did, I'd suck his dick. Fantastic. Can we just get back to the falling out, please? I guess. But I'm not lying. Lying about what? Lying about George Lucas. But I thought you said you did lie about him. Not about meeting him. I did lie about that. I meant I'm not lying about the fact that if I did meet him, even if it was in public, I would suck his dick. What? I just don't want you to think that I wouldn't suck his dick. Whatever. Suck his dick, don't suck his dick. Can we just get back to the Julianne Good situation? Of course. Sorry. So you and Julianne called it quits? She was being a constant bitch around that time anyway. I think it was because she was jealous. Jealous of what? Jealous of me getting more parts than her. We were both big during the 90s silent era. But when silent straight-to-video releases made way for regular talkies, she couldn't handle the pressures of change. But talkies were already around for decades. I adapted quickly, landing roles in such films as He's Taller Than Me, Eyes on a Pampered Poodle, and Everything She Does is Black Magic. The best Julianne could land is a small walk-on role in Tyler Perry's Medea Yells a Lot. Oh, I saw that one! My favorite part is when Medea finds that little boy reaching in the cookie jar, and she's all like, Ooh, child, you best get out! And she smacks him in the back of the head with her purse. That did make me chuckle. What about that one part where Medea catches her husband looking at a Victoria's Secret catalog, and she's like, Ooh, no, you didn't. You best not be looking at other women. And she smacked him in the back of the head with her purse. Actually, my favorite part was when Medea saw her nephew spying on her next-door neighbor, and she's all like, ooh, what you be looking at, pervert? And she smacks him with her purse. Got it. Oh, did you see the movie? No. Can we move on, please? We talked to Trinity a few more minutes before taking off. She actually warmed to us and ordered an intern to bring us some salads. 
Choose any salad dressing you like. I picked a light raspberry vinaigrette. I felt like it would complement my Tropical Island milkshake that I still had with me. Mmm, dressing room. I get it. We ate and drank and talked about the mid-90s film industry. Who's next? I saw David Wallbanks here. We should talk to him. He's probably the biggest star to come out of the 90s silent era. And here he comes. Oh, one more thing. He doesn't break character when he's shooting, so just keep that in mind. Okay. We were able to convince Mr. Wallbanks to spend some time talking to us. We sat by some work lights and I pulled out my notepad. I've been meaning to ask you, you don't have a recorder? No. What about a phone? No, no technology. A notepad will be just fine. Jane shrugged. Are you ready? Yes, Mr. Wallbanks, is it? Who is this Mr. Wallbanks you speak of? I told you, Jim. He's in character at all times. Okay, then who's he playing? I think they're filming a biopic about Daniel Day-Lewis, and the scene they are filming is during his time shooting There Will Be Blood. It would explain his garb. Okay, so I'm talking to Daniel Day-Lewis then? Fine. Mr. Day-Lewis, can I ask you a few questions? I think you can just say Mr. Lewis. But Day-Lewis has a hyphen. Oh, yeah. You're right. Continue. Mr. Day-Lewis, I want to talk to you about an old co-star, Miss Julianne Good. Who? I've never met a Miss Good. Is she the one who slithered out of her mother's filth? Oh, I, I don't know. Do you know Jane? No. I, uh, maybe she slithered? I can't recall. I shan't be rude, but I have more important matters to attend to if this whole ordeal is, in fact, about an old bastard. Actually, I think she was born in wedlock. Wait, is this Daniel Day-Lewis I'm talking to? Another name that leaves your mouth and does not wake a memory in my old mind. I think this is Daniel Plainview. The character from There Will Be Blood? Yeah. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Are they shooting the documentary right now? I don't believe so. I think they're on a break. David Wallbanks is portraying Daniel Day-Lewis during the film There Will Be Blood. If it's a biopic, shouldn't we be talking to Daniel Day-Lewis and not the character he's playing? I'm confused. Are we done? One moment. I just need to ask a question about... Wait, it, this is all pointless. Plain use from the goddamn 1890s. He's not going to know who Julianne Good is. We could wait until they film the next scene for this biopic. What other movies was Daniel Day-Lewis in that would make him more cooperative? None. It's not going to work. What am I going to do? Interview him during Gangs of New York? Lincoln? My left foot? Let's just go. Thanks for nothing, buddy. Hey! Hey! I drink your milkshake, you son of a bitch! I realized I left my milkshake behind, and now this crazy David Wallbanks had it, and he was dancing around. That's mine! I drink it up. Give me my goddamn milkshake, you oil-loving whore! Stop! I chased Wallbanks around the studio until I cornered him and snatched my milkshake back. We were on the set of a bowling alley. Watch out! He's picking up a bowling pin! I remember the end of There Will Be Blood, so I ran away fast. I am the third revelation! Stop chasing me! Come on, Jane, let's get out of here! I'm finished. Don't trust him. I don't. After avoiding getting my head caved in, we made our way to a different lot where we interviewed other famed actors, 
along with some of the crew that was known to work with Julianne. Every interview left me with nothing, although I did get some insight into Julianne's movie-making past. After the studios, Jane and I headed to a Josh Elbert's office. Josh Elbert was a film critic, the harshest film critic around. At least that's what Donnie Lombardo said when he explained to me how I was nothing to the famous director B.C. Baxter. reached Josh Elbert's office around 7.30. He was still there. We were lucky. Come in, have a seat. As you may know, I'm not only one of the best film critics around, I'm also very, very smart. Didn't know that, but I guess that's good to know. It's very good to know. We're here to ask you about Julianne Good. Huh. Julianne Good. More like Julianne Bad. Good one. Is that what your reviews are like? Yep. So... What do you want to know about that has been? Anything you can tell us. Well, she once had it all. She was at the top of the world. When it came to 90s straight-to-video silent pictures. Still can't believe that was a real thing? Oh, it was huge. You were under a stone, remember? Jane smirked and bit her lip. I loved when a girl had a sense of humor. That's why I fucked that clown in high school. Too bad talkies made their way into our video stores and streaming services. Is it? Is it too bad? It's what ruined Miss Julianne good. She couldn't adapt. And then the deaths. Her life spiraled out of control. What deaths? Her fiancés, husbands. Plural, or was there an apostrophe? No apostrophe. How many of her fiancés are dead? Oh, I don't know the exact count, but many. She consistently left dead men in her wake. <laughs> See what you did there, wake? Actually, I didn't mean it in that way. I meant wake as in water. Not as in a funeral. Yeah, but it's clever the way you put it. You mind if I use that? When are you going to use that expression? You'd be surprised how many times I mentioned funerals and beaches in the same sentence. Anyway, the early 2000s saw Miss Julianne Good bouncing around from one meaningless performance to another. I started to feel sorry for Julianne. She believed herself to be a mighty tyrannosaur when it came to the film business, when in actuality she was a measly centrosaurus, which is just a smaller dinosaur. It, it makes sense. That comparison works. If a paleontologist was listening to my narration, he'd fucking get it. Seriously. He'd get it. We talked to Albert for another half hour before we left. Did any of the interviews help? They helped pose more questions. I still believe it could be a fan. Maybe so. It's late now, so I'd like to talk to some more people tomorrow. Let's find out if any of Julianne's exes are still alive. Sounds good. Before we call it a night, maybe we could grab a drink? Another milkshake, perhaps? I could go for another. Jane and I ate at Jack's Cafe. We had a good time and actually talked about other stuff. No Julianne, no film, no tabloids. At 10.30, I took a cab back to Julianne's. I walked in the large mansion and the door was unlocked. Inside, the place was dark. Sheldrake and Julianne must already be in bed. I tiptoed up to my room. I was startled as I entered my room. Julianne was sitting in the dark at the edge of my bed in her nightgown. Where were you? What? Where were you? 
Without interviewing possible suspects. Did you find who sent that letter? It's not that easy. You were gone the whole day. How else do you expect me to solve this? I can't just stay here all day. It'd be nice if you checked in, darling. I don't know what to say. I just... I was worried, that's all. Worried? It's okay. I forgive. Tomorrow night I'm hosting a dinner party with some friends. I would like it if you could be here. It'll be at seven sharp. Please be done with your work by then. Okay. This makes me uncomfortable. I'm sorry, darling. She headed to the door but stopped. She turned and looked back at me, her silhouette giving her a menacing appearance in the doorway. And I would like it if you didn't invite that reporter friend of yours. We don't need another woman taking you away from me in my case. Was she jealous of Jane? Why would she be? I sat on the edge of the bed, pondering. What the hell was going on? I drank the rest of my milkshake. Damn, this thing was good. That's when I realized that this whole case was a lot like the show Lost. Both were posing more questions than actually answering any of them. Let's just hope that this case ended better. Screw that purgatory shit. Atlas Avenue Beat, written by Robert M. Lamb, edited by Sam Ashley, starring Jack Austin as Locke, Amy LeRae as Edith, Jose Caraballo as Paul, Brian Messick as Arthur, Gina Coyle as Julianne, Lucas Webley as Sheldrake and Dr. Doctor, and Stacey Patron as Jane. Co-starring Mallory Presley, Michael Mola. Chris Butera, Nicole Green, Brett Wilkins, Jerry Swindle, Ashley Cartesano, Danielle Abernecka, Nick Engelhard, Reed Kreiner, Anthony Grimm, Robert M. Lamb, and Zane Sexton. Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to rate and review. Also, check out www.7lamb.com for other podcasts such as this one. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 7lambpodcasts and on Twitter and Instagram at 7lambpodcasts. This has been a Seven Lamb production.